It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. On today's show, AJ Preller gives his comments to the media publicly, answering a wide array, a wide swath of questions, including but not limited to Trent Grisham's potential uh, going forward, Juan Soto's feasibility in a trade and sort of confirming maybe possibly that Mr. Bob Melvin is coming back next year. We got a lot to talk about. So let's get into it. You are locked on Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Thursday, October 5th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javapena, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, the best Twitter handle in the game, folks. And you can go check out at LO underscore Padres, just in case my, uh, my my crap posting, my, my silly posting isn't uh, uh, your style. No problem. You're listening to a Padres podcast after all. So that makes sense. Go follow at LO underscore Padres and also go check out Lockdown Padres on the old YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by our good buddies over at Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks and you could win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit Terms and conditions do apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. And today's episode, guys, oh, look, I did a little playoff preview yesterday. And and there's a couple reasons I did that. One, because it's relevant. And two, I wanted to have my picks, like, on the, you know, I wanted to be on the record about my thoughts because based on what happened yesterday, your boy looking pretty right right now. But I also did it because this offseason is going to be a bit of a process. I don't want to have finite, definite takes or analysis immediately. I think it's going to be a growing thing because, and there's a reason for that, number one, because I do the show every day and I want to genuinely try and learn. You know what I mean? Like, we don't know what information is going to come out. And also, it's um, there's an episode of the show The West Wing uh, that, that I, I imagine might not appeal to everybody because it is a, ve- a very left-leaning show uh, in a lot of ways. It's about Democratic 
uh, lawmakers and politicians for those who haven't heard of it. But in the first episode, basically to sum things up really quickly, one thing that happens is the president, played by Martin Sheen, does this whole, you know, gives this whole anecdote about how he learned to never do anything while he was upset, never make big decisions while he was upset. Such as what he's about to do, which, spoiler alert for West Wing Season 1, Episode 1, that he's about to fire his, um, I think it's one of one of his, his communications director. So a big position because he says something dumb on TV and he was really upset um, and he, you know, ran his, his motorcycle into a tree. And I'm saying all this to say, which is, it's really easy that after a really bad season for you to just be like, get rid of everyone, I want everyone fired, trade Soto, launch Preller into the sun, you know what I mean? Uh, Go sign some big player or whatever. Um, And when in fact, you just got to step away for a little bit. And I think that time... And they say time heals all wounds. I think that that is going to be true. Although, granted, is this is not just any wound. This 2023 Padres team was a Wolverine claw to the heart, man. Let me tell you, it was really rough. But that's my kind of take on all this. And I think that it's interesting, and I'm saying all that because A.J. Peller made his first sort of comments uh, publicly. Uh, first of all, publicly ever since those articles dropped. That kind of flamed him and the entire Padres organization in a lot of ways, which we talked about in previous episodes and you've heard to death. But... He talked publicly about a lot of things, and the things that I want to hone in on are Bob Melvin's future, Juan Soto's future, and Trent Grisham's future, because I think that they all tell an interesting story about the potential future of this team. And frankly, because there's still so many other topics to talk about that I can't fit them all in one. Uh, So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, And I want to start first with Bob Melvin, who... AJ Preller asked about if Bob Melvin was going to return. He confirmed and said, yes, we're basically to paraphrase that he's going to be back next year, that he has another year on his contract. Now, I do think it was interesting that he mentioned he has another year on his contract, almost as if he was giving the technical answer, right? Like he was saying, yeah, I mean, that's what the contract says. You know what I mean? It's almost like a an Aaron, well, I don't want to say the Aaron Rodgers thing. That's a little political for some people, but like giving an answer that's sort of a, it's like you're you're skirting by the answer, so that way if, if they do get rid of Bob Melvin, he technically didn't lie when he says something like, yeah, he's under contract for next year, you know what I'm saying? But I think for all intents and purposes that this is a good sign that he's probably staying put, um, especially since usually you get a lot of manager firings uh, after the season. Uh, this is the case for a lot of sports, right? They, you know, the, the day after the regular season ends, usually the managers are gone. Angels just got rid of old buddy Phil Nevin, um, and then you lost uh, Buck Showalter from the Mets, and maybe someone else that I'm just blanking off the top of my head. I didn't write it down. So that's what that can mean. You, I mean, anyone who's listened to this show um, knows that if I think that someone should go, I thought it would be it should be AJ Preller. Um, and I want to also really point out that I don't think Preller's like the worst guy ever. And I did that when I did my episode a few weeks ago, or actually probably a few months ago at this point, about how Preller, like, you have to look at the positives with him. And look. Do you want to be going back to the old days with managers and GMs that didn't do anything and didn't try? Well, if you do that, you're going to end up like the Rays and Brewers, who we're going to talk about um, tomorrow on tomorrow's episode. Don't worry, you'll see. But for me, I just, you know, I've said it all year. I don't understand how guys won manager of the year this many times, who's respected by this many people. I have literally not heard a peep of bad things to say, at least from players, at least, from Bob Melvin or about Bob Melvin. The only thing that has been bad about him is the occasional question with his uh, managing of the bullpen, which did come up at points this year, but also his quotes uh, from like a couple weeks ago that really blew up when they were talking about Josh Hader and him not wanting to 
uh, go in for the four out save when Melvin was asked about just being like, yeah, that's how we're doing things. Like the way he talked about it made it seem like that wasn't his choice. So it really clears up the air a little bit because I know a lot of fans and people would message me being like, this is ridiculous. Why are they not bringing in Josh Hader and they're bringing out Luis Garcia? Well, that might have been why. And also, really quickly, speaking of like the front office getting in the way, we just heard um, in yesterday's uh, Blue Jays twin series, uh, the Blue Jays were just eliminated and a lot of people believe that they're ho- Puerto Rican power, by the way. Jose Brios, he was on fire and they took him out after three innings and he didn't have a high pitch count. And he was on fire and they took him out and then they gave up the lead and eventually lost. And that doesn't feel like a call necessarily that managers make. There was a player pointing out, like, this is ruining baseball. I think it was Danny Jansen being like, look, this is ridiculous. Like, this is hurting the sport, having a bunch of front office guys make decisions like that. To paraphrase, again, what Danny Jansen said. I don't have the quote in front of me right now. But that's kind of a situation we have with the Padres on a, a smaller level, a smaller stage, uh, since it was a regular season issue versus a wild card series like the Blue Jays. Um, but that's my kind of vibe on it. And my thing was... I'd much rather keep Melvin because if you look at sports history, it is just very rare um, that a GM is able to hire and fire all this many different managers before people start saying maybe it's the GM that's the problem. You know what I mean? So that's how I view it. I view it as a thing of I'm not necessarily pro-firing Preller. You know what I mean? Because if there's one thing, and I've said this over, I've been doing this podcast for four years, and it's I can say with a certain sense of certainty, um, <laughs> a certain sense of certainty, that Preller has bounced back many times. He's kind of like the Tom Coughlin of GMs. Any football fans out there who don't know, Tom Coughlin was literally on the hot seat so many times for the New York Giants, and every time he was on the hot, hot seat, they won a Super Bowl. It happened twice. <laughs> he was on the hot seat, this was his last season, won a Super Bowl, then like three years later, hot seat, then won another Super Bowl, right? So... Preller, while not on that Super Bowl level, obviously, there is a feeling of, like, if there's anyone who could turn things around and, like, bring back the kind of approval rating, it is A.J. Preller. If we see this offseason, that ownership, the organization starts making moves. Preller even talked about how they won't get rid of entirely the possibility of bringing a general manager under him, right? Someone who does those things and he oversees the entire thing, maybe, but they have a general manager, maybe, that oversees the major league roster. Maybe Preller is better at, you know, player relations at a certain level and maybe doing international scouting and just scouting in general. Maybe that might be a better spot for him. And maybe instead of you know, putting it all on him or making him, you know, look at every single level. Maybe they are hearing things. Uh, it's totally possible. Again, if there is a GM who's not in the right spot right now, not a high approval rating, that it wouldn't shock me. I'm not saying that I'm pro-keeping him necessarily, but it would not shock me if AJ Preller kind of redeems himself because he's done that a lot. Like, last year was a bad vibe, and they made it to the NLCS. So that's my thing. Um, don't count out him entirely. There are a lot worse situations to be in. And for Melvin, I just don't think you forget how to manage after one year. And I think that all the signs point into that. I think it's good if he does stay because that would tell me if we're, if we're going to take all these reports at, um, at their word, which I mostly am because it's the, I really think that AC did a great job with the Tribune article. And I think that Rosenthal and Dennis Lynn did an immaculate job with the athletic article. Same thing that they did two years ago in 2021. I think they did a great job. And, um, you know, I, I just think that this is this is the route to go. I, I really do. I think that Bob Melvin is, is an exceptionally good manager. 
I just don't want to give up on the guy. I think that it would be a mistake, and I think it would be going backwards. So I'm really excited about it. And if he really is coming back, like I was about to say before I got caught up, um, it shows me maybe the organization, maybe people are looking and saying, all right, we need to figure this out. It can't be on Melvin. You know, Seidler is probably going to get involved. The whole board is probably going to get involved and say, you know what? Like, let's figure this out. Like, let's amend this. Instead of just firing people, let's amend this. And that's the best case scenario. Maybe I'm being optimistic. But again, wouldn't it shock me if Preller, I think he's a smart guy. Wouldn't it shock me if this is a guy who looks at some of the shortcomings and says, let's address this. So I'm really happy about the news. We'll see if it changes. It could change. I don't think that it's impossible. I don't think those reports that San Francisco was interested in him come out of nowhere. I do think they're a little bit ominous at the potential that maybe this is Melvin who is going to be like, I'm out. Um, and I know that there was that fear that Ruben Niebla would leave too. But at least for now, uh, we're not DEFCON 4, in my opinion. But what do I know? I'm just an idiot from New Jersey hosting a podcast on the Padres. But ladies and gentlemen, that's of course not it. We got to talk about Juan Soto and Trent Grisham, and especially Trent Grisham, like what it means about the team's philosophy going going forward and why well, this was a little bit of an optimistic first segment uh that one might be a little bit negative but before we get into all that guys i want to talk to you about something that is not at all negative folks let me tell you the mlb playoffs they're here which means the clock is ticking on your chance to 100 times your cash on daily fantasy Baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now with all sorts of stars like Tatis, who's not in the postseason. Like Christian Yelich, who's no longer in the postseason. Like, you know, uh, Corbin Carroll of the Diamondbacks. You've got those guys. You've got all the people on the Dodgers, Mookie and Freddie. And then you've got the Braves with Freed and Strider and Acuna. And you've got the Orioles with, with uh, who the heck the Orioles have? Like Adley Rutschman and all those guys, right? So many stars in the league right now. And it's great. And I really enjoy it. Pick more or less stats for all these stars, though, and you could be a, a real winner. Let me tell you, for stars like these, you can bet. Um, you can you can make predictions based on home runs, hits, strikeouts, total bases for up to a 100 times payout on, of course, the homies over at Sleeper. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, they are divine. I, I wax poetic about their fantasy football app so often. It's great. I love all the little details they have showing you the trade breakdowns and the game breakdowns of all the points. Just everything is made so much easier. You can even do three team trades on there. It's really, really cool. I love it for that. But for daily fantasy baseball stuff as well, they are excellent. 100 times your money. It's fantastic. Um, love it very much. And I think you should try it too. And because you're listening to this podcast, of course, as you know, I always got you guys covered. If you use the promo code Locked On, you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions do apply, though. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Ladies and gentlemen, remember that is sleeper.com slash locked on for that promo code for the $100 match. Go check it out. And we're back, everybody here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. Be sure to go check out the SiriusXM app for play-by-play of your hometown Padres. Or just fire up my podcast. I don't know. Shouts to SiriusXM, though. They're, you, you know what Sirius is. They're great. Don't you just love Sirius? It's great stuff. Moving on. Ladies and gentlemen, the next thing we got to talk about is Juan Soto, who this isn't an episode all about Juan Soto. I promise you we will be talking a lot about Juan Soto this offseason. I actually had a really fun conversation 
um, with at DFA Kevin AC, uh, who was DMing me yesterday on Twitter, and we were talking uh, and sharing our kind of opinions on this whole thing and, you know, where the Padres roster is going to be with all the pay cuts, whether or not, you know, trading away guys like Cronenworth is feasible, Grisham, and how they get below the $200 million. That's not necessarily what this is about um, in particular, but... It's relevant because not only did A.J. Preller talk about it, he talked about it briefly yesterday in his comments, basically saying we're an organization that doesn't ignore anything, essentially to paraphrase. And he says this for everybody. He says we basically don't eliminate any possibilities, which is just his way of going about things. Um, he, he said that for everybody. Like, I'm pretty sure if you asked him about... I don't want to say Tatis, but you get my point. Like, you can ask him about most, most players. He talked about Blake Snell a little bit yesterday, too, how he's hoping to sit down with Boris. I'm not really all that into it. I've already said that I would rather, if we have to extend someone, it would be Soto, and then I would allocate the funds elsewhere and hope that, you know, Musgrove and Darvish come back, and then you get Lugo and Waka, one of the two, something like that. I would be much rather go down that route, um, because they're already paying a lot of money, guys. Like, you can't just keep spending forever, so that's my take. But Juan Soto, um, also relevant, because yesterday Bleacher Report dropped a Realistic Trades article and ladies and gentlemen, if there's anything more certain than death and taxes, it is media outlets firing things up about superstars going to the Yankees. Let me break down the trade for you. Reading from the article, Juan Soto to New York Yankees was their top, like, kind of, not top of the article, but the last deal that they mentioned. I'm going to read from the article now. Ah. And for the record, I'm not hating. I, I actually thought that a lot of the trades on this were, well, I don't think right. Uh, not something worth hating on. Does that make sense? Like, if I disagree with something and I don't think it's right, it's not worth hating on. Hating on is, like, if someone's, like, when I always make fun of um, the article from two years ago where anonymous executives think that the Padres should trade Manny Machado, similar to what the Rockies did. It's like, all right, that's worth making fun of because that's absurd. Of course you want us to give up Machado for nothing. Anyway, tangent. Why it makes sense for the San Diego Padres. It wasn't Juan Soto's fault that the Padres fell spectacularly short of expectations in 2023. He did his usual thing in getting on base at a 4-10 clip and hit a career-high 35 home runs. A pivot is nonetheless in the Padres' future, with Kevin Acey of the San Diego Union-Tribune reporting that they aim to cut payroll, as Soto is due a raise on his $23 million salary and is due for free agency after 2024, he could be fodder for the chopping block. Why it makes sense for the Yankees. After a disappointing season of their own, the Yankees must have at least two priorities this winter. One is to get younger, another is to get at least one left-handed hitter, lest their lineup remain unforgivably right-handed, which, oh yeah. Uh, in these respects, the 24-year-old Soto is the best possible solution for the Yankees, and the two parties have been linked before, as the team was believed to be, a possibility for him as they end, as they and the Padres were both experiencing choppy waters in July. And the trade proposal is, the New York Yankees get left fielder Juan Soto, and the San Diego Padres get outfielder Spencer Jones and right-hand pitcher Chase Hampton. The Padres probably won't recoup what they originally gave up to get Soto in 2022, but they'll have a strong hand by the way of the open market's dearth of bats. This would see them parlay that hand into two prospects on MLB.com's top 100 list, headlined by the 6'6", 235-pound Jones. I want to start off by saying I'm not a big prospect guy. Um, I'm not really good at analyzing, and through a bunch of you know self-journeys, I basically decide that I do not like projecting young players. I like the idea of acquiring assets and how you use them and having more ammo in your chamber for potentially moving deals and the ability to get younger, have some reinforcements if you have injuries. But I'm never going to start projecting how I think project uh, prospects are going to be. I don't do it for football, don't do it for the NBA, and I'm certainly not doing it for baseball because that's the hardest of all. 
uh, as we've seen many times, right? Like, it's just, I mean, come on. It's really, really tough to project that stuff. So for me, this is not as much about the prospects. And again, like I said, it's classic death taxes and someone writing about how the Yankees are going to trade for some superstar player because it gets clicks because they have a lot of great fans. Great fans. Great fans. Slip of the tongue there. My apologies, guys. They have a lot of fans. (laughs) Um, So, look, my take on this is, first of all, I think it's patently absurd, the idea that the Yankees are all of a sudden going to start caring. Uh, They've shown no care uh, to improving their team. Uh, really in the last few years. Cool, they signed, signed Rodon, and cool, they traded for Stanton, and cool, you re-signed the player who broke the American League record for home runs in a single season. Congrats on that. That must have been really hard. Um, for me, I just think that the Yankees aren't going to do it. Again, I just don't see the Yankees caring. Now, if I start seeing some connections, sure. But again, remember, I don't know if you guys remember, remember during the lockout when we got some ESPN radio hosts? Uh, if you don't remember, I remember. I've been covering the team that long. I remember this stuff. That some... Um, ESPN radio host was saying, you know, I heard something about Tatis and the Yankees, you know what I mean? And guess what? Wasn't even close to happening. Just absolutely absurd. So there is a motivation that I've noticed to talk about big-time players going to the Yankees because it's what they used to do. I don't think that this is an only clickbaity generating thing. I think that some writers are just waiting for the Yankees to snap out of it. And I feel a little bit bad for them because Hal Steinbrenner, again, has shown that he does not care uh, for a long time now. Uh, in terms of actually making them the biggest team in North America again. Like, he clearly doesn't care uh, that they're still one of the biggest teams in the world. Just doesn't care. Based on everything they do, from cutting payroll when they're one game away from the World Series, to not even offering Manny Machado a contract, and not even giving Bryce Harper a call, despite him being literally a Yankees fan growing up. So again, they don't care. Um, So I do think that the idea of him going to the Yankees is absurd. Until I hear a report that says otherwise, don't buy into this, don't look into this. In terms of the idea of trading Soto, I mean, like Preller said, I mean, their options could be open. And I don't think it's the most insane thing. Uh, My number one qualm with the idea of extending Juan Soto is just the idea that if they are reducing payroll, if they want to get under $200 million, um, which is what is alleged by Kevin Acey of the Tribune, obviously, if they want to do that, it's going to be pretty hard for them to fix all their needs, in my opinion, while also retaining uh, Juan Soto. And don't get me wrong, it is possible. Um, for them to do that. Uh, it just depends on like how strict is that 200 million line going to be, right? That's the big part of this. Um, and for me, though, more than just that, I'm just a little bit scared of the possibility of having four guys that are signed to your team for 12 year, uh, 10 plus years. And I think that they're all great players, first of all. That would be Tatis, Bogarts, Machado, and Soto if they were to extend him. I get that. Um but to me, it just makes me nervous, and it'll never not make me nervous. I've been watching baseball for a long time, and guys tend to fall off, and I like having a little bit of flexibility. That doesn't mean you don't spend. It just means that if you're going to give a Tatis contract, you know, you can maybe do one more of those. Otherwise, you gotta you got to be a little bit careful after that, especially because you're spending so much elsewhere. Don't get me wrong. Like, we just saw the Rangers just absolutely wipe out the, the Rays off the face of the earth, and they spent a whole lot uh, in one offseason, right? They did Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, and then the next year, they did Jacob deGrom as, like, their big, big signings, among others that they did, too. Um, so for me, that's my biggest thing. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, assuming they retain Waka and Lugo and uh, Martinez or whatever, like, let's say um, that happens. Let's say they, they lose Waka, Lugo, and whatnot. But then if you give all of that money to Soto, then you have a, pr- a problem with the the extension talks, or I'm sorry, the the rest of the rotation. So I'm not against signing Juan Soto. 
I'm just definitely not aggressively for it. And I know that's an unpopular opinion. The guy's 24 years old. But my thing is this. After you gave Bogarts, Darvish, Machado, Cronenworth, Suarez the money, it became a lot less possible for you to do that. Um, which is why in the offseason that was my biggest question. If you give up your whole future for this guy, should it resigning and being a thing? The third part of this is, do we believe that Scott Boris is going to not let or not get Soto to test the market? That's generally his quid pro quo. If that's the right phrase to use, I'm not totally sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's just what I see. And again, um, you can non-tender Hill, guys like that. You got Nola that you could figure out. You've got Grisham, who we're going to talk about in a second. How much money is he going to get? You know, can they get rid of Carpenter's contract, which is only one more year? So maybe you attach, I don't know, some Josh Mears, you know, some 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 random. I, I don't mean that in a mean way, but like, you know, some some lower level prospects. And I mentioned this with my buddy um, uh, at DFA Kevin AC on Twitter. He said the same thing. Like, attach a lower tier prospect. Could you potentially do that? I'd be up for it. But again. I just think that the signaling of we're cutting back on payroll, and by the way, they're the only team in a long time that I actually don't hate that they're saying that, because in fairness, they have spent a lot and it hasn't amounted to a lot of results, so I'm not going to 100% hate the idea of cutting back on payroll a little bit, especially when you're paying so much. It's not like they're paying you know, $110 million this year, and they're like, all right, we're cutting back. Like It's a lot of money that they spent this year, so that's just me, though. Um, that's just me. So to recap, it... The idea of them trading him, I think, comes from the fact that they could be rolling back on payroll. I think that the Yankees, that Bleacher Report trade offer, is just something to ignore. I don't think it's realistic at all. And then lastly, do you want to still do that when, you know, if you were to extend Soto, then you have to worry about pitching next year. And pitching was really good for us this year. And I worry that if the offense bounces back and these guys learn how to be clutch for once next year then what happens to the pitching? Because then the pitching could be bad, and then we're back to square one where it's like, all right, right when the offense went back, then the pitching went down. That is a possibility. So part of me is like, look, and then, oh, yeah. And the last point is four guys for 10 years makes me nervous, man. It makes me nervous. So to me, I think that it is not super possible that they do this, especially because of the report that they're cutting back. But then again, uh, we could get a report tomorrow, and this could become a meme Um from now, you know what I mean? Like it could be a meme, the whole they're cutting back uh thing in, in a in a few months from now, as after they extend Soto and sign Yamamoto and sign Shohei Otani and sign Matt Chapman, I don't know, whatever. Right? Totally become a meme, but that's just how I feel right now. But ladies and gentlemen, um, if you also want to know how I feel, there's other ways to find out about that. Let me tell you about our good friends over at Bunches. Ladies and gentlemen, you may have heard us talk about the free new app for sports fans called Bunches before. It's a new social network built for sports fans. No politics, no doom and gloom, unless you're, you know, like a Yankees or maybe even occasionally a Padres fan and Mets fans, if we're being honest. Just sports. They've recently released a new scoreboard feature that lets you check live scores in the app and chat about live games as they happen. You can chat about the Padres and join the Locked On Bunch by clicking the link in the show notes description or just get the app. Apple Store, Google Play, whatever. Download Bunches now. It's really cool. Again, just group chats for the old sports. And I know people like that. They love their discords, all those sort of things. Well, this is just for sports. And if you want to hang out with the Locked On hosts, that's where you can do it, guys. Download the Bunches app today. And when you do, our friends at Bunches have featured the Locked On MLB Bunch in the Discover tab. You can also click the link 
Join the Lockdown Only Bunch community today. And we're back, everybody here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Remember, go check out SiriusXM. And remember, thank you for making us your first listen every day. Free and available on all platforms. Uh, whew, man. Let me tell you guys, that was a lot. I spent a lot of time talking about my boy Soto there. Hopefully the tangents today haven't turned you off from the podcast. I hope not. I know some of you every now and then are mean to me. My only request is that when you're mean to me, remember... That I appreciate some creativity. Don't just say I stink. Be creative with it. Someone who said that they saw a line a couple years ago at the hospital and they were like, I, I, that, it must have been because they were listening to your podcast. That was good. I appreciated that. Nostradum. I, can I say it? Nostradumass. Like that thing uh, that someone called me a while ago. <laughs> really good stuff. So be creative. But anyway. Or send nice things. I always appreciate nice things. All right. Let's talk about Sharon Grisham. Um, this is the last thing that was kind of brought up by AJ Preller that I wanted to talk about from yesterday's kind of conference, Zoom, whatever you want to call it. Talking about that, you know, he's a gold glove caliber defensive player. He's really good out there, and they want him to be better offensively. Now, this is where I get a little bit negative on the Padres' future. Because to me, we're on year four. We're on year four. And if this was a different organization, I would be also more keen to believe this in the sense that you still think that you could get offense out of Trent Grisham. But Trent Grisham, if you look at Woba, um, if you looked at Woba before this year, he was the worst offensive outfielder and one of the worst offensive players in general uh, in the sport uh, since the second half of 2021 specifically. And that's a large enough sample size. And the only other person who, who was worse was Cody Bellinger. And even Cody Bellinger found a way to bounce back as we saw this, uh, this season with the Cubs. Like even he returned to form. And Grisham hasn't really shown any signs of that. And that's my big problem with him. Is it possible that there's something there? Of course. The guy has a, a doinky swing, but I kind of like it, strangely enough. He's got a lot of power. He takes a lot of pitches. He is able to draw walks. But to me, we're on year four of this. And to me, this shows a sense of, like, what are we doing? And in my experience, and I've talked about people with this before, to win the World Series... It seems like one thing that all teams have in common is just a dynamic, awesome center fielder. And it's kind of weird that the Padres, for as much as they've done to bring in stars, that they're just trotting out Trent Grisham year after year all the time. Um, and for me, I know that Jose Zokar isn't necessarily like an awesome player because he has the same power upside as Nick Madrigal and Lisa Reyes. Uh, and frankly, Blake Snell as a hitter. <laughs> that picture of Blake Snell hitting, by the way. His first year, like him just like... It's just so funny to me. This is the dumbest sport. I can't believe it took until 2022 for people to figure out the pitchers hitting 120 wasn't a good idea. But that's just another side tangent. For me, Grisham, I mean, if you just look at WRC Plus last year, or this year, 91, that's only a six-point boost from the year before at 84. Year before that was a 104 WRC Plus, which honestly surprised me a little bit. I thought he was a lot worse um, in 2021. Um, but I think that's because 2021 was his first half was really good. And then he fell apart in the second half. And that's why it went down year before that in 2020. Um, obviously great. And Preller pointed that out of how he was so good trying to get him back to that level. But on top of it being year four, this is also the Padres organization. And the one thing the Padres organization has shown is that they have not been able to really bring the best out of their players. 
um, especially these last few years, which is the greatest case to be made for why Preller should be replaced, by the way, in my opinion. Um, so for me, I just like, I'm not a fan of it. Um, and I think that you could potentially save some money here. I think it's going to be interesting to see with Trent Grisham how Jackson Merrill progresses, uh, how they feel about him, how spring training goes. Does he make the team next year? Because if he does, I have heard some, uh, there were some reports about him potentially being the center fielder for the Pirates. And if that happens, this is a top 10 prospect. That could be like the life injection this team sorely needs. Then that gives you room to trade Trent Grisham. And then you might be worried, well, what about the depth? Then I would be fine with an Jose Azokar type who has shown that he's got speed in the outfield. And he's done well in terms of outs above average and defensive runs saved. So I think he can be good as a defensive player. He doesn't have the power upside, not even nearly as much of a power upside as Trent Grisham, obviously. But I'm also looking at Grisham. This year in the outfield, he did go down a little bit in his defensive production. Last year, he had eight defensive runs saved. This year, it was only one. Last year, he had uh, 14 outs above average. This year, it was seven. He's still a good defensive player. But does it justify his, like, universal monopoly on that center field position? Like, it's like 95% of the time it's Grisham. And then sometimes you, what was it, like three games Adam Engel was in there. You know what I mean? Tatis played a couple times when Grisham was um, hurt or had the day off or whatever. And then Jose Azokar. So, for me, that idea of trading Grisham, maybe saving a little bit of money, getting just a little bit of breathing room there. Maybe you go get a bullpen arm um, from a team that believes in Grisham a little bit more. And I do think that there's reason to believe. I think he has power upside and he does able, he is able to walk. My problem is that I've just seen moments with him where I'm like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? And his walk rate did increase this year, 13.5%. That's up 3% from last year. Um, and his strikeout rate went down a tad from 28.6 to 27.7. But the overall increase, the fact that he's got a low BABIP basically every year, um, which is weird because Tricker Ship's pretty fast, but that shows you that every time he's making contact, it's either an extra base hit, he's striking out, or it's like these low like dribblers. You know what I mean? Like there's not enough force to him. He's not even hitting the ball. He's not rocketing the ball, you know, in the infield. Like say how Machado, where yes, he's not a speed guy, but he's rocketing the ball, right? Even when he's hitting into double plays every now and then, right? Like Grisham doesn't do, do that. He's either hitting it for a double, a home run, or he's striking out. And while that sounds appealing, I don't find it appealing. I don't like having Joey Gallo uh, as, as a player, especially for four years. Um, and I think that one thing they like about him is that he is cheap and that he's just reliable. You know, he's been healthy for a lot of time. So he does have value. I just think that there are other teams that would chomp in the bit to potentially take him and say, we can turn you back into your 2020 form and we'll give the Padres some reliever. And I think that would be nice to get a reliever pickup for him. And yeah, that's just how I feel about it. And I do think that this isn't a great sign that the team is just like this. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Preller, it's a public conversation thing. He could trade the guy in three weeks. You know what I mean? Or whenever you're allowed to trade. You get my point. Like, it wouldn't surprise me. He's just saying the right things about how they believe in Trent, et cetera, et cetera. And if you really wanted to break down this episode, you could just be like, yeah, uh, he confirmed Melvin Beck. Otherwise, everything else is nonsense. You could take it that interpretation. But for me, I just kind of, I don't know. I, I'm just, ah, I'm just tired of Grisham, man. I think he can be good somewhere else. And it is going to hurt when he gets traded somewhere, or if he gets traded, my apologies, somewhere. He's still only 26 years old. Um, but I just, you know what it is? I'm going to say what it is. That bunt with the bases loaded against the Dodgers from a few weeks ago, it's still ringing in my ear. 
I just that the um, playoffs when it was uh, in the with, the with the Phillies. I think it was a man on first base and second base, and you what was it? The bunt with one out is that? I think it was one out, and it was man on first and second, and then you bunted to move them over, even though all that did was make it that all we have is one more out and then Austin Nola popped up. I'm like, for you to not have any like confidence or be aware of that situation, like you got to swing. If it's nobody out, that's one thing. But if it's one out, then a sack fly doesn't even t- tie the game now because it'll be the last out. So those moments just really, and I know that in baseball you shouldn't use um, these kind of um, secular like uh, moments to judge a player overall. I-, I think that is a mistake. As we learned with Grisham, I mean, he made that big error in the playoffs for the Brewers, right? And then we got him for not much, and then he turns out to be great, right? So, um, at least for a little bit. So, you you shouldn't do that, but it's hard, man. Because to me, that's not winning baseball, and I just don't see it getting better with the Padres. So, I would be a, a, a fan of potentially trading Grisham. Can you get, like, just a reliever that's, like, okay? You know what I mean? A reliever that you like, I'd be okay with that, and I think it's going to depend a lot on how Jackson Merrill progresses. But I'm just hoping that this isn't a sign of the Padres just completely running it back. I'm not, I don't mind the idea of basically saying run differential was great. We were historically bad in clutch moments. Like that shouldn't happen again. So let's like try and just do this again, and not totally blow it up and give up. But with Grisham, I'm like, look, I think y'all got to know this is this this is just not working here. And the idea of trying out Grisham for another year doesn't thrill me. If you like him as a bench guy and you just want to move things around and you're like, I would, wouldn't mind Grisham as a backup. Okay. I mean, that's not bad. I wouldn't mind Grisham as like a fourth outfielder. That's not bad. Especially if Merrill is going to be like your starter, potentially. I wouldn't mind that. But just keeping him and just having him be like, again, 90% of the time in the outfield, that I'm not a fan of. Um, I just don't think it would be right. And again, I just, I just don't see it with him here, guys. I just don't see it. I don't see it. But if you disagree, feel free to leave some comments below in the YouTube comments or send me a DM on Twitter at Javapeno, of course, as you guys know. Best Twitter handle in the game. Um, go check that out. But with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast going forward. Uh, what do we got? Um, we've got tomorrow we're going to talk about why the Padres are in a better position than a lot of the playoff teams that were in the playoffs this year because I'm a hater and I like to hate. Um, next week, we I got a lot of things um, on the docket. Of course, Miller and I are crossovers. We're going to do them. Uh, I think we're going to do like a uh, end of season. Um, what, what, are, what are those called? Hold on. Give me a second. What's the word for it? Uh, superlatives. There we go. We're going to do end of season superlatives. We're going to be talking about... Um, the biggest and general questions for the off season, uh, you know, that some of them, which I alluded to on today's episode, we're going to be a little bit more concrete on that. Might be talking about just in general off season wish lists, um, you know, free agents that are available. I know a certain pitcher who uh, used to be on the Dodgers and went to Japan for a little bit for off the field reasons, and Trevor Bauer might do an episode on him because I've already gotten at least one DM about that. Might talk about that next week. I don't know. That might be a dicey subject. Uh, but I do have a lot of thoughts on that, so that should be interesting. Um, I'm going to be doing that, all sorts of fun stuff, and of course, player reviews, which I will be getting back into next week. And honestly, message me if you want. Uh, message me, leave comments for which player you want me to do one of those player season reviews uh, on next. Uh, the first one was you, Darvish, and if you want, more than happy to listen to whatever you guys want to do next. I'm thinking, I'm thinking 
Blake Snell or Xander Bogarts. I'm thinking that way. I don't know. We'll have to see, though, guys. But until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 